uh, what's backward masking? Backward masking. Oh, that's that's where you have an album by a heavy metal band. Oh right, satanic yes. messages. Yeah, that was a little before. No, mine. It was uh, shit and Halloween candy. Oh, that was wow, like the yeah. big thing, like that's razor blades and stuff. None of it's ever been detected. It's never happened. Oh, I'm sure it's happened. But somebody's I mean, poisoned somebody. Oh yeah, they have. But it was usually like a relative. Yeah. <laughs> but um. <laughs> From the smallest room in New York City. Relatives are good for killing each other. Yeah. Here comes a show that gives you a reason to live. Relatively good. In the Bronx, a home exploded around 6.20 a.m. Someone smelled gas. Fire department arrived. The acrid fumes filled the home. Firefighters found what's described as a homemade drug laboratory inside a dark room. with marijuana growing. Is it make, they make it sound like it's meth or something. Yeah, that, that's really disappointing. A laboratory. Uh, it seems as if uh, now you know the the you know the streets. Uh, joining me now, Jim Poke, uh, Mazzy and Poke, Hello. making justice work for you as always. I haven't talked to you in a while, Jim. Yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah, you've been uh, fighting out, uh, fighting the good fight out there. I suppose. Yeah, I mean, you know, somebody's got to. Trying to, trying Roman to, times. Yeah, uh, Roman times. That's yeah. what they say. Uh, what, now, what does that mean exactly? Is, is no idea. I read it in say? one of those things that called news. Oh. <laughs> Roman times, I like it. Something that has a post after it, I don't know. It's fire, but not like a Washington Post, like a you know, Franklin Post or something. Oh, was it the New York Post? Oh, it was, it was the uh, yeah, like, 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 Stone River Gazette. Yeah, or one, no, no, not, not even something that legitimate. Like, I mean, I'm talking like one of those online repositories where anybody can get an attribution and you know yeah. write an opinion or something like that. But they said we are living in Roman times. Let's see what that means. Let's look up Roman time. Oh oh I know what it means. So I the last days of Rome and everybody yeah, did what the fuck. That's they probably wanted. it, yeah. And so there's plenty of crime to go around. Uh, as these firefighters found uh, you know uh, the the drug laboratory, they decided, oh let's go outside and uh, wait for the Con Ed to arrive to cut off this gas. Well as they waited the home blew up, blew the roof off it killing one firefighter. He was a veteran firefighter, and uh, he was, uh, by all accounts, uh, a tremendous man that, that the uh, fire department is no doubt very sad to lose. Uh, one neighbor said, there's nothing but kind words to say about this man and his family, a visibly shaken neighbor, Jackie Sutton said, and then she added, he's a pleasant, pleasant, good man. He looked like that. He did. In the pictures. Like, he had one of the most pleasant official photos I've ever seen. Yeah, he, he uh, kind of a, a tight smile. Uh, young for his age, and a rising star in the fire department. His, his dad was a second-generation fireman. So, yes. Uh, well, authorities arrested the man living inside the Bronx drug house that exploded, and that man is Julio Salcedo, arrested in Cliffside Park, New Jersey, by the Regional Fugitive Task Force. And that's made up of uh, NYPD detectives and U.S. Marshals. I've never heard of that before, but I guess it's something that I'm sure they're busy. Because as soon as you do something, you got to get out of town. I feel it's the sort of thing, though, that sounds a lot cooler than it is. Mm -hmm. A fugitive task force. It sounds like sort of you're, you know, looking for Harrison Ford while he says the one-armed man did it. My guess is it's largely just tracking down warrant people. Yeah. Well, the warrant squad. Uh, that, you know, that's what uh, Mark DeMeo used to yes. do. Yes. It, 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 he seems like he might be uh, good at that. Yeah, I, I bet you Mark was very good at that. Because he's got to be good at something. <laughs> Mark DeMeo, great uh, uh, comedian and police officer. And you can see him in his uh, 20 and out one-man show at some point. I have to go see that. I want to see that. I'd like to see that, too. He'd been uh, renting the two-story home. This is Julio Salcedo at uh, 300 West 234th Street. By the way, uh, don't send letters there. It doesn't exist anymore. Uh, <laughs> if you were planning on writing a letter to... Uh, you know, I don't know what you would say. Sorry about your drug house. Yeah, take that one off the Airbnb. Yeah. <laughs>
Well, he'd been arrested at least five times. Now, they often report these arrests. Now, you're a lawyer, uh, and you're a criminal defense attorney and a fine one. In fact, if you are ever uh, in need of a criminal defense attorney in the New York area, uh, you should call. Uh, go ahead. Uh, Mazzy and Polk. Yeah. Um, 516-280-9035. And that was 516-920-9035. One more time. 516-280-9035. And is that, that's your office, right? That is our office, but that's also, uh, after hours, we have a voicemail that's checked every 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. If you have an emergency, leave a message and a number. We will be right on it. That's great. And that's if you, uh, and now when they report these arrests all the time, uh, I remember you saying, like, uh, it's, who cares? It doesn't matter. I mean, from a legal perspective, you know, like, uh, arrests don't mean anything. Well, I mean, it's it's the biggest thing they always, you know, they love to say is, like, this guy's been arrested 70 times. This guy's been arrested 80 times. What is he doing wandering the streets? But then you look at what those arrests were. Mm-hmm. It's disorderly conduct, uh, open container of alcohol. You know, you, nobody's going away for years for stuff like that. Uh, but, Shoplifting, but, you know. But it's not a conf- well, What if it's not a conviction, uh, but just an arrest? But it is something serious. And, and, well, I mean, if it is, it is. But usually if somebody's been arrested and convicted of something serious, yeah. they don't have these kind of sheets because they've done time. Uh-huh. Well, it says here, most recently in April on charges of strangulation and unlawful imprisonment, law enforcement sources said. Now, how, how serious of a charge is strangulation and unlawful imprisonment? It seems to me that could be a domestic. It's almost always a domestic. Yeah. I don't think I've seen strangulation in a context that isn't domestic. Unlawful imprisonment sounds like uh, like a lot serious than what I know it to be. Basically, if you stand between somebody and the door, that's unlawful imprisonment. You can prevent somebody from making a phone call. And it's technically unlawful in prison. Jesus Christ. And uh, strangulation, there's all sorts of language about how much of the airway can be restricted, so it makes it extremely difficult for prosecutors to prove. Really? Yeah, I mean, unless you basically crush their larynx, I mean, you can't really prove that there was a total restriction of the airways to meet the statutory requirements. Well, it's, okay. But but the fact that what what if he was if but being convicted of that, it doesn't mean necessarily you did that. It could mean that you just had a shitty lawyer. Or it could also mean that you pled something less and you'd done something much worse. I guess so. Or yeah, it, there's a lot of things that can happen in a plea bargain. Right. It's pretty much infinite, right? Like you can't really tell a lot from what somebody's been convicted. It's very of. hard to see what really went down on a lot of these. And you know, keep in mind, 99% of cases plead. Yeah. Only 1% actually proceed to trial. So this guy owns a marijuana house, uh, or not a house. He was renting the house, but he owns the operation. Yeah, I mean, he didn't own. (laughs) (laughs) The landlord's pissed. Yeah, yeah, especially now. And I guess they they must have been tapping the gas line. Because uh, maybe it was a gas-powered uh, grow operation, I guess not. But yeah, but, I mean, you, it's very strange when I found out it was marijuana. Because mm-hmm. you don't feel like marijuana grow houses blow up like meth labs. Right, you yeah. Know, I mean, it's, and I don't think the marijuana grow house had a lot to do with it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's either, as you said, it's I'm guessing it's either some sort of tapping of the gas line or, I mean, in the off chance, I, I've heard about this in, you know, other places. I never really heard this in you go, like, booby-trapped. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so either. Uh, not not for weed. <laughs> <laughs> no. And and uh yeah, and, and the thing is they weren't there for the weed. They were there for the gas. A neighbor right. told about the gas. So they show up to the gas and then that that guy has the worst luck. You know? <laughs> yeah, that is a that's a bad day to have a gas leak. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're like, man, damn. Uh you know, I, I guess tapping the gas line really is dangerous. It's blown up two buildings that I know of. Yeah, I mean I it's well, you know what's funny? There's a... Uh, 
you that's just in to, the last couple of years. You talk to business owners all over, and they complain endlessly about the regulations of New York City. You know, boiler inspections and gas line inspections and fines for not having them up to code. But And, and a lot of that's valid because they, they're used sort of subjectively as absolutely. a shakedown. Yeah. But the reason a lot of these exist is because this is a unique city for America because there are, you know, 8 million of us essentially living on an area half the size of Chicago. And it's... Mm. You know, I mean, as you said, a gas leak in some other house can start a fire in a residential neighborhood. A gas leak here apparently blows up whole buildings. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it does do that. And, uh, well, I guess this guy is just out of luck. He's going to have to face charges now. Uh, he's been arrested on drug and grand larceny charges. And no word on whether he had anything to do with that gas line being tapped. I'd say as he's, as he's a renter, probably not. He probably did. He's probably not the guy. What's also really unfortunate about the circumstances, I don't, I don't know particularly the details, but it does also, it's kind of amazing they were able to find the weed and tie it to him after the building blew up. Well, uh, <laughs> I wonder if they must have grabbed some evidence on the way out, like like uh, the fire department. Uh, Either that or I, I have this it, image that like... The fire department would have gathered evidence on that. Though. Yeah, but I mean, I have this idea that like maybe the building blew up right to the edge of his weed growing operation, so it's sort of like that cartoonish. Now it's exposed to the world. Yeah, you know? that'd be funny. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That's interesting. How would they be able to recover that stuff? But he's been charged. And uh, that, uh, the loss of a good fireman and uh, a, a lot roof of landed on it, for Christ's sake. Yeah, over over a gas leak. And, and uh, God, God I, that is the worst shit. You know, firefighters face, yes. you think fires. You see firemen, dangerous, and obviously in smoke inhalation, they, you know, they, they yeah, die. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's funny when they're not doing that. They're, I, you see, I, I guess the rep, the way they're represented on TV or whatever, they're sitting around and throwing cards into a wastebasket or something like that. But there's all kinds of stuff like this they got to go out and do all the time. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it is a dangerous job. I mean, it does make sense because the reason they exist is because fire is dangerous. Fire is dangerous. So, I mean, and they're the guys that have to fight it. But yeah, yeah that it's... does make sense. A man described by police as a ham radio enthusiast who hacked into police radio frequencies and threatened to kill a police captain among three arrested for impersonating police officers and robbing seven different victims in the Queens and the Bronx. So these guys branched out. They had a few different things they would do. Uh, one of the suspects linked to a series of unauthorized transmissions over police radio frequencies. Uh, the messages included phony calls for assistance by non-existent officers, maybe to divert them from wherever they're about to do some robbing, a report of a pressure cooker bomb in front of a residence, <laughs> fake gun runs, threats against the lives of officers. He would actually uh, say, hey, Captain, you're the one that arrested me. You know, get ready to die, things like that. I, I don't have any direct quotes on it. But, uh, yeah, apparently this, is, this guy was a real nuisance, uh, these guys. Uh, and, when and, the AV and, club goes bad. <laughs> <laughs> Criminals, I mean, ham radio? <laughs> I didn't even know that was still a thing. Well, that's why I brought it up. I, but a ham radio enthusiast. I mean, like, uh, I, yeah, I agree. That's when ham radio. I mean, there's cell phones, right? Well, I mean, so, there's, there's. I mean, I on... guess anybody used a ham radio for that, but what the hell do they use it for? I mean, I ham radio was it. like obsolete when we were kids, Pat. Well, maybe I mean, when you were a kid. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got a few years on you, and I remember ham radios being a thing. And but I remember CBs them being like were a big thing. Yeah, I remember a big. I remember ham radios being a thing like that people did, not that it like was any normal sort of broadcasting for anybody. I mean, oh, you no. still listened to the radio. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, well, I don't even know what. I, I should look it up. I guess I'm sitting here at a computer. I do know something about a ham radio. Tell me though. about what you know about a ham. All radio. I know about a ham radio is there is a mysterious frequency, there a mysterious buzzing that that emanates on a channel. 
that they've tracked back to Russian military, but they have no idea what it is, and it's been existing for years. Whoa, they've tracked it back to Russian military? Well, they think, yeah, they, they're Russian military facilities, but they don't know what the frequency is, they don't know what it what it broadcasts, they don't know what its importance is, and it's been doing it for years. It's funny, it says uh, amateur radio, also called ham radio, Describes the use of radio frequency spectrum for purposes of non-commercial exchange of messages, wireless experimentation. So speaking over the radio uh, in a non-commercial way, that's basically all it is. Uh, but the, the only problem is you can only talk to other fuckers like you. Who have ham radios. Yeah. <laughs> Which, uh, I, I, I forgot what TV show I watched once, but they made a joke about that where it was just a bunch of people sitting around going, I have a ham radio. <laughs> in various languages. Yeah, that's really all there is to say. Oh, boy. Oh, jeez. But, uh, I mean, these guys really uh, put their ham radio to some effective criminality. They managed to. They got they got onto the police frequencies, and they were able to, you know, make threats and things like that. Now, what these other guys would do is uh, they would they would sort of tell people they were cops. And uh, here we have a, a time. That they, okay, let's see. One of the, the three men first struck September 8th. They exited a white van in Port Morris. Uh, just before 1 a.m., I guess it's in Queens, approached a 33-year-old man. They showed him a fake shield, told the victim he was wanted for robbery and assault. And then one of the suspects took the man's wallet with 300 bucks, while another sprayed the victim in the eyes with an unknown substance. And it says later that same day, two of them wearing a vest that said police on it, <laughs> used a flashlight. It's a lot of trouble for a few hundred bucks. Use a flashlight to pull over a taxi driver. And then uh, in Long Island City, the men attempted to search the car, fled without taking anything after the customer in the cab questioned whether they were really police officers. One hour later, they pulled over another taxi on Crescent near 44th Avenue and had the 44-year-old driver exit the vehicle. They're getting smart. They go ahead and overplay their hand. Get out of the vehicle. You know, so then again, they pretended to be police officers, stealing the man's wallet, spraying him in the face with a substance before fleeing. If you notice, it seems to be less about stealing the money, more about spraying people with an unknown substance. Well, it's also, you know, robbery is just not a very effective criminal act uh, on this kind. I mean, most yeah. people don't carry enough cash around to really make the risk worth it. Yeah. I, I find. I mean, it's like, you know, so you got to do what these guys do and do volume. Yeah. Yeah. And exactly. that's the only way you're going to do it. But the problem with volume is, is the risk is dramatically increased. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's like the robberies that seem to be, like, worth it are, like, you know, in the movies, like Heat. You know, you have to take over a whole bank and get, you know, hundreds of thousands from the vault in a carefully, elaborately planned thing. Yeah, and that's usually not the case. Is yeah. With a bank robbery, most of them, they get away with, like, a few hundred dollars, right. if anything. Because you got to get in the vault. If you can't get in the vault, then it's useless. Yeah, or, you know, uh, that that's where it becomes these big heists, like a safety deposit box and shit, safe deposit box. That's yeah. what they do. Uh, in, in, that's what they did in that robbery in, uh, in, in I guess it was uh, Williamsburg or Borough Park. It was Borough Park. They uh, got in through the roof, and they got all these safe deposit boxes, yeah. stole these old Jewish ladies, you know, uh, jewels and shit. And then they were able to uh, get away. Uh, they still haven't been apprehended. That's a hell of a bank robbery. That's the way it's supposed to be. That's the way we read about them, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's. I mean, that's that's what you think of. Like, oh, we're planning a heist. You know. I mean, it's just. Uh... Of course, we had the the uh, uh, hat bandit earlier this year. He's, yes. Uh, his only disguise: changing hats. <laughs> I mean, uh, it doesn't take a lot to fool the NYPD. Uh, wait a second, I'm seeing a link here. <laughs> uh, what do you think about uh, Derek Rose here in court? Uh, he's in civil court in L.A. Now, it's still a New York story because he's playing for the Knicks, but he's being charged with gang rape uh, with uh, two of his uh, you know, fellow basketball players. They, the lady wants uh, $21.5 million. They were at his place drinking, 
And then she says that she was drugged at that point. And then they went to her place, or she went to her place. She says that they um, burgled their way in. They came in, they let themselves in. They all gang raped her. She doesn't remember any of that. She uh, she says she just has snatches of the night. She woke up with her dress around her neck, covered with lube, and uh, there was one condom there used, one that wasn't, and and uh, that's that's all she knows. Hmm. And, and uh, she's uh, accusing Derek Rose, who happens to be a very rich man, of uh, of gang rape. Now, in civil court, uh, it's a little bit the burden of proof is. It's a is lesser different. standard. Yeah, it's it's a preponderance of the evidence standard as opposed to beyond a reasonable doubt. Now, why is that? That that that, that the standard even in a rape case would be that different? Because I mean, uh, rape being a criminal thing. Uh, is it, you know, first of all, is it telling that she chose to pursue a civil path immediately rather than, uh, rather than a criminal uh, path first? It's certainly interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's certainly interesting because if what she describes is clearly criminal acts, numerous multiple felonies. Yes. And it seems to me if they were reported to a DA, even in this day and age, they'd still likely charge it. Even Seems if they couldn't if. prove it, yeah. So I mean, I, I mean, it doesn't seem like she even made any efforts to have him criminally charged. No, she. It doesn't seem. Like I don't she know did. much about this story, honestly, but it does seem to me like that on the surface of it is pretty, pretty questionable. And uh, you know, I mean, the reason that the the standard of evidence is lessened in a civil is, is in general, you're proving negligence, not criminality. You're not depriving somebody of their freedom. You're depriving them of money. Yeah, and and I would want that taken seriously if I was. A you do, and it is, but I mean, it's still it's still a lesser standard. Um, yeah, well, I mean that's what I mean. It's like mm-hmm. the, you lower the standard when it's the when it's you know coming out of my pocket. I guess I would mm-hmm. rather pay a bunch of money than go to prison. You know, of course, I know I more than guess it. I know I would. Yeah, I mean, I I would be. They're going to have a hard time unless unless they have some form of a DNA link to Derek Rose, and then they still would have to prove that it was it was a in, intentional tort, and a tort means a civil wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's going to be this is an uphill battle. I think she's hoping to get a settlement from one of them. Oh, certainly, yeah. Well, they she had hoped to keep it. Uh, uh, I'm I'm sure that she f- was banking on that they want to keep it out of the news. Yeah. And well, too late for that because it is in the news every single day. They did a jury selection, and uh, there was. Uh, there were some issues because uh, there were all there were a, a, a lot of you know Hispanic uh, you know people called L A. Mm-hmm. There's Hispanics they in twenty nine. They fascinating. T- they saw they saw twenty nine perspective uh, perspective juror, uh, jurors, and uh, a large number of them were Hispanic. And uh, Derek Rose's lawyer, Derek Rose is black, complained to the judge, and uh, the judge said, "Tough luck." He literally said. Tough it's luck. a hard complaint. It's a real hard complaint to make. And, and by the way, the accuser is Hispanic. Yeah, it's it's a it's a hard one. It's the you do what's it's actually almost what's interesting is is you're doing what's called a reverse Batson challenge. Mm-hmm. Reverse there's Batson. A, challenge. There's a Batson is uh, Batson. Some of these legal things sound like pool tricks. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, it's a Batson was a case that where uh, prosecutors were getting rid of black jurors solely because they were black. Okay. And the court said you can't do that. Now. They would do that because, in the belief that that African American people black are going to be more likely to uh, sympathetic to the criminal or sympathetic to a black accusee. Yeah, black accusee or or yeah, an accusee of certain types of crimes or something like that. Okay. Um, and so they 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 did. So now, if you're doing jury selection, and, why, why uh, a reverse Batson? Well, because here's the thing: Batson is usually when a prosecutor's getting rid of black people. 
Uh-huh. This is one where you've got a whole bunch of Hispanic people, and this guy wants to get rid of all of them. But that's well, just different races, and yeah, I mean, but it's like it's it's like and this, he's a defendant. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a bizarre phenomena. Yeah, yeah I, I mean. No, the judge is right. There's really no legal precedent to get rid of a whole bunch of Hispanic people because you don't like that they're Hispanic. Well, it's not that you don't like that they're Hispanic. You, you, <laughs> you don't like they're Hispanic. It's, it's I don't like the way they speak. Their language sounds dirty. Uh, cops are under increased risk in New York City, and uh, attacks are up of, of uh, NYPD. Here's what we have. While uh, you know, crime uh, is... is uh, well, it continues to drop in the city. Uh, there's one group of victims that has been increasingly targeted for assault, and that is police officers. NYPD Deputy of Operations Dermot Shea said there has uh, been a 23% increase in attacks on city cops so far this year compared to the same period in 2015. And the troubling statistic could be related to the department's increase in gun arrests. As gun arrests go up, we're seeing our assaults on police officers up significantly. They really focused on gun arrests, that's I guess. Also, that's a, that's, that is a sentence that is leaving out um, a very important detail for analysis. What is that? How many up was that? How many up? Yeah, how many more actual assaults on police officers in this period before and then the last one? Well, uh, there have been 995 incidents, uh, assaults on cops so far this year, compared to 804 in the same period last year. So up by... About, about 100. Yeah. Well, wait, hold on. 804, uh, almost 200. Okay, almost 200. Yeah, so which would be you know, 23%. Yeah, it's 23. No. That, I think it's significant. Uh, it's, I mean, it's, 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 it's an increase. Yeah. But the link to guns, that's the part that I'm sort of, well, where on earth do you make that link other than the gun arrests are up? I think, it's, I think he's... Uh, because uh, I bet you ice cream sales might have gone up too. I mean, there's a whole bunch of other things that are, you know. I just yeah, but I, I think that you, you could make a case because uh, now I, I don't know how to connect it to gun arrests. I really don't. I mean, is it that uh, if you're going after guns, you're going after the kind of criminal who's more dangerous? If you're going after guns, are you simply doing more enforcement in general? Well, that's a, that's certainly. A, I mean, are they doing more enforcement in general? I think they're. I mean, well. I don't think they're across the board. They can't focus on everything at once. I mean, like, they're just... I think that the, the what it is is they're not enforcing quality of life crimes anymore. That could very well be, too. Yeah, so uh, if somebody's taking a leak, they're like, leave them alone. Which also means that If you're taking a leak and previous... firing a gun over your head, yeah. But, I mean, cops who were previously arresting people for taking a leak are now arresting people for more serious offenses, and there isn't kind of... you. The danger is likely to go up. Yeah, and that's what they're saying, yeah. yeah. And so that, that very well may be true. It sounds good to me. Uh, we have... Uh, uh, article to, in uh, last week's newspaper that says the scary clowns are harmless bozos. Well, that's the New York, New York Post. <laughs> I was about know. to say that's 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 not one of their better I, puns. I, uh, <laughs> that's hard. Yeah, well, bozo, you know, the built-in pun, I guess. Yeah, you know, but, I mean, it's they usually put some more effort into well, it. Well, NYPD's terror chief said, "Don't be afraid of the clowns." Wait, they got the terror chief involved on this one? <laughs> well, I wonder. I mean, like, who else would you get? You know, <laughs> Is it to, to fight the creepy clowns. Yeah, it's, it's a terror problem. And it's uh, it's really a, I, I is I'm it not, really a crime? Dressing like a clown is not, um, but chasing somebody with a knife is. And yeah, that was, I that was in 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 uh, a follow up. So it's funny. He said, "Don't be afraid of the clowns." The next day, clown with a knife chases a boy. Well, they now, up the ante. They didn't like the challenge, <laughs> according to him. I mean, I, I'm not I'm not entirely sure that's not fabricated. It seems like there's like a Halloween rush or something to creep everybody out. Uh, they, you know, of course, across the nation, everybody's making the clowns are making threats on social media, yeah. and whatnot, and uh, and everybody's kind of scared. It's funny because like parents take this shit real fucking serious. Well, parents take everything serious. Yeah. I mean, it's you know, 
By my day, it was backward masking. Now it's uh, what's backward masking? Backward masking. Oh, that's that's where you have an album by a heavy metal band. Oh right, satanic yes. messages. Yeah, that was a little before. No, mine. It was uh, shit and Halloween candy. Oh, that was well, like the yeah. big thing, like that's razor blades and stuff. None of it's ever been detected. It's never happened. Oh, I'm sure it's happened. But somebody's I mean, poisoned somebody. Oh yeah, they have. But it was usually like a relative. Yeah. But um, <laughs> relatives are good for killing each other. Yeah, they really are. Relatively good. I mean, I, this scary clown thing is a little bizarre to me. I, I, I mean, it's it feels like it's one of those, you know, improv everywhere sort of stunts that's gotten wildly out of control now. Yes, yes, yes. And in the end, you really should just be ashamed because you're a grown person wandering around the city dressed as a clown for no real reason. I mean, let's be real. It's uh, it's 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 silly, you know. But they they got nothing better to do than to. Uh, but anyway, apparently, one of these clowns chasing a boy. Uh, it, with who had a uh, in a knife from a subway station, and uh, although I do wonder about that too, I do wonder about that story. It it sounds uh, you know like as if it's too convenient, doesn't it? Well, it's also it's 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 if there's no knife, you're just a little boy who ran away from a clown. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not exactly the best schoolyard tale to tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, t- <laughs> I mean, it's just I tend to feel the same way. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I have yet to see the clowns purse perfectly get violent yet you know i mean it's it's yeah. i mean they sure look creepy as shit clowns have always looked creepy well you know I, i've said it before clowns are only funny when they're scary and they're only scary when they're funny and i mean has anybody ever really found a clown that funny i, I you, you show me one yeah Bozo I, the clown never funny uh clarabelle the clown uh, yeah i guess is it not a lot of famous clowns I remember when I went to the circus, the clown did, like, juggling, and I was impressed with how well he juggled, but it wasn't, like, funny. No. It was just, you know, I mean... It yeah, was... they caper about. Yeah, it's... <laughs> Running out of a car. Uh, now, okay, here's an interesting story I wanted to ask you about. This is a legal question, and that's what you specialize in. Oh, yes. Uh, now, uh, this, uh, substan- a substantive legal debate over the privacy implications of watching porn... Inside an adult uh, video store, and the reason I bring this up, we have these uh, Jack booths. One of them that opened up called Guy-Fi. That's over on Twenty Eighth and Broadway, and it's a a, a booth. It's free. You can I wait. I heard about it. this. This is like this brilliant idea to have wire life, wire wireless, like people could access wireless freely in the streets, and it became oh, no. an immediate jerk off <laughs> fest. Yeah, that's uh, you're you're mistaken. That's the city's whole line of oh, Jack right. booths. Yeah. yeah, and there's no curtain. This one had a curtain. It's called uh, Guy-Fi. And uh, it's uh, it's a very interesting thing. I can't believe that it's fucking legal, really. Uh, I mean, uh, I, it's. I mean, I suppose they. My have personal to... favorite though is you just type that into your computer and Guy Fieri came up. Yeah, Guy Fieri. I don't know what the connection is, other than that he's a jerk off. Well, this is a, a a public masturbation booth in New York City, a publicity stunt for a sex toy company. Okay, well, uh, is it true that? Uh, okay, so in January 2016, a photograph showing an, uh, an officially sanctioned New York City public masturbation. Oh my God! Is this a hoax? Is that what this is telling me? It's well, it's, a hoax. It's, it's up on Snopes. So Snopes is a uh, is a um, debunking website. Yes. Okay. So uh, while Hot Octopus really did convert an old phone booth into what it called a public masturbation booth, New York City has not legalized public masturbation. <laughs> <laughs> so it would still be illegal to step in there. But that's well, a good not question. necessarily. Yeah. Exactly. And that and that's what I'm curious about. What would be the legal uh, delineation on that? Well, it kind of is a context, actually. Okay. Um, 
what the police can violate of a person's privacy and, and then the, the, the way they can violate it is determined on what's called a reasonable expectation of privacy. Okay. What does a person have a reasonable expectation of privacy in? Well, I'm not really sure. Let's look at this case okay. from uh, from this previous judge. This might uh, make sense. I went to the New York City Supreme Court. A man arrested in Times Square for selling narcotics. And this is, uh, this is a, a few years ago. Uh, he appealed his arrest, saying police who burst in on him uh, for crying out loud. Uh, it's like conducted an illegal uh, search and seizure. Okay. Now, the defendant in the case, Otis Hemmings, that's one of those uh, names that you might have, allegedly uh, sold narcotics to an undercover police officer inside a Times Square adult DVD store. Uh, the undercover officer who made the sale had to uh, come outside the store and signal to the ghost officer waiting outside. They're employing ghosts in the police department now. That's yes, apparently. He had uh, actually seen uh, the... Okay, so the guy outside hadn't seen the defendant's face. All the ghost officer and his team knew was that the target was a stocky person wearing a three-quarter length leather jacket. Upon... The, the, de and facto, stocky, <laughs> the de facto outfit of public masturbators. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It goes anywhere. Upon searching the store, they did not find anyone resembling the man they were looking for. That is until they discovered a row of private booths designed for watching pornography. Until they discovered that. <laughs> I'm shocked. What is this? Shocked no. to learn there's pornography at this sex store. All but two were empty, and police entered the first one. Uh, discovered a man who fit the description. They still weren't sure. They took him outside where the original undercover officer identified him. He was subsequently arrested. Now, in court, the defendant argued that the police conducted an unlawful search and seizure by opening the closed but unlocked door of the booth. Now, what do you think? Is that an unlawful search and seizure? Before well, I give, give you the ruling. Well, let's do the analysis. Let's do it. Okay, the analysis is twofold. There's a subjective expectation of privacy and an objective expectation of privacy. Okay. Are they, do they hold equal weight? Uh, you actually have to have both of them. Oh, shit. Okay. You both. have to look at, um, objectively, if the area is an area that somebody would expect privacy in. For example, your home. Oh, well, yeah. That you would definitely, that's objective. You have a right, an objective right, right to expect privacy in your home. Okay. What about your car? I think it's the same. It's okay. an extension of your home. Right. Now, the next is a subjective expectation of privacy. I see. What steps did you actually take to make sure it was private? Okay. Well, in a jack booth? So a jack booth, here's you've got a situation where somebody's in there to do something that might be personally embarrassing by yes. looking at pornography. Yeah, so he There is a the door, door that can be closed. And it's closed. And there is, a, there is an area that is reserved for one person and one person alone. So I think you pretty much meet the objective standard. The subjective standard is a little interesting here. What okay. does one need to do to establish that they believe they had a right to privacy? Would simply be shutting the door enough. It isn't a bathroom. Nope. It is not a bathroom. It's, uh, it's, it's... I'm just saying that as an analogy, it is in a bathroom. Oh, it is Court in a bathroom. said in the bathroom. Oh, 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 I thought you said, is it a bathroom? Yeah, uh, no. you know, you say, so, so to just shut the door is enough in mm -hmm. a public bathroom? For you to expect well, okay, privacy. Okay, let me let me actually let me be more let me be a little bit more realistic about this. Okay. In a bathroom to shut the stall. The stall. Yes. Okay. You have a reasonable a subjective and, uh, and an objective reasonable expectation of privacy. Okay. The courts. I think they meet it. Okay. Well, I think this might be a good argument here. 
Well, here we have, uh, and so he's going to get this arrest thrown out. I mean, let's, let, let, me, let me anal- analyze this exactly. Okay. Clearly, it's an objective. There is a closed-off area for somebody to do something that they wouldn't do in public and that might be embarrassing if they, somebody saw them doing it, such as watching pornography. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and with the uh, sort of a assumption that, that they'll, mm-hmm. you know, that it's, it's a foregone conclusion that they'll masturbate. Objective, or subjectively, they already went into a sex shop and then still went to this particular area to ensure their privacy, mm-hmm. took the only meaningful step you could to ensure your privacy of shutting the actual door, and then did nothing to make yourself known that you were in there. Okay. I think you meet it. I okay. think they've got a good argument. Well, Judge Ruth Pickles agreed, uh, and she ruled on, on January 12th that he should have been able to expect a little privacy in the Jackoff closet. In her, <laughs> Was that her words? In her decision. <laughs> yes. She call it a Jackoff closet? Yeah, she's very colloquial, down-to-earth kind of a judge. It is it is reasonable to expect privacy in a closed video booth and in a don't book of video stores. It is a bathroom stall. Same comparison. It's amazing that a, a judge who's clearly female with the name of Ruth Pickles speaks like I, Foghorn Legolas. Dead on impression. Video booths exist solely in adult book and video stores. <laughs> Their purpose is to permit patrons to afford privacy in the videos of adult stores. That's their purpose. Permit them to afford privacy. It's actually a pretty rationed analysis there. She says, society considers the activity the viewers commonly engage in while watching uh, videos <laughs> of this type to be as private as the activities engaged in by those uh, using toilet stalls and, and in fitting her, at least as private. I would, I'd like to claim that I analyzed that almost the same as yes. the Southern... Yes. Male Judge Ruth Pickles did. Uh, was someone to engage in such an activity in a public area, he could be prosecuted for public lewdness or exposure of his person. Uh, by his person, I mean his dick. <laughs> Even where this is not the case, privacy is afforded to the person who wishes nothing more than the opportunity to view the type of adult video he may favor. Away from censorious or private eyes. Prying eyes, I mean. <laughs> Private eyes. Private eyes. <laughs> Far away from private eyes. I can't stand a jerk off when there's private eyes around. <laughs> in any case, in either case, the occupant uh, expects that he will have privacy while he's inside the booth. And I find that such an expectation of privacy, at least in the booth like the one before me, which excludes outside viewers, is reasonable. So yeah, that's it's what a she pretty said. pretty reasoned legal analysis there. Yeah, and, and and the article points this out. It is kind of funny the, uh, the how politely she phrases it. The person who wishes nothing more than the opportunity to view the type of adult video he may favor, <laughs> away from censorious. Or it's pretty much the most decent way I've ever heard what goes on in there described. Yeah, it's just a very innocuous well, way to say uh, jerking off to porn. Well, no, she's saying not jerk off to porn oh, yeah. because she's saying even if you're not jerking yeah, off, yeah, it's still a reasonable expectation it, of privacy. If you simply want to watch the kind of movie you favor. Yeah. yeah so, that, okay, very well done. Uh, and so That'd the, be really funny if you're like, you know, you're you're like a you know pro football player and you're really into romance, so you go to, you know, fucking <laughs> jerk-off booths just so you can watch The Notebook and no one will ever tease you about it. I mean... Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, okay. that's kind of the implication. Yeah, there, I mean, very, very, very uh, interesting thing. It's like uh, if, if you... Um, if you want to jerk off in a, in a, in a booth, a, a good place to escape to, then I guess in theory, kind of right. If you're running away from the police, and you um, don't want to, uh, you know, have them be able to uh, do anything about it, does that make sense to you? Can you can you duck into one of those and then have uh, sort of more privacy? Uh, Oddly, it does. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, 
Yeah. I mean, yeah. So anytime you're anytime you're on the on the lamb. I also feel like this is a this is a something that still exists largely because of New York City apartments. <laughs> I might get one of those jack booths for myself. Yeah, I mean, it's just like you know, it's like you have no you have no space. You're with somebody all the time, and then it's like, yeah, you know what? I, I just got to do this, and and, and <laughs> yeah, I got to duck out for just a minute. I hope you'll forgive me. Yeah, that's it. You have a a, a jack booth, and then you're uh, and then you're all good. You know, let's uh, let's look at some more stories. I'm looking through the newspaper now. This is a really low tech way of getting news, and I do it uh, on a daily basis. I buy the New York Post. I go right down the street, and I pick one up. I'm interested in this uh, police corruption probe that's been ongoing, and we had a, f- a, a rather strange development this week in that an officer shot himself in the stomach rather than testify against his old boss. Now, that's a guy who's either very loyal or very scared. Yeah. What do you think? Well, I'd be curious as to what exactly he's scared of, because uh, getting shot in the stomach is a <laughs> pretty extreme step. Exactly. I mean, that's that's a big I mean, a big tip-off. That like, I mean, uh, usually it, you're afraid they're going to kill you. His life could be in danger. <laughs> uh, the police lieutenant who shot himself in the stomach Friday was recently visited by the feds in the NYPD corruption investigation, making him the second cop in five months to turn the weapon on himself. Now, the other guy, I don't put him in that, in that category because uh, the other guy blew his brains out on a golf course. He wanted to die. I don't think this guy wanted to die. Lieutenant Peter Salzone, who uh, remained hospitalized Saturday, is being called on to potentially testify against his friend and former boss, Deputy Inspector James Grant. Now, you remember James Grant is the one with uh, close ties to um, some Orthodox Jewish businessmen who uh, basically they laid a lot of money on him to drive him around to the airport. They'd, drop yeah. him, they'd give him a diamond here and there, give his wife a grand, you know, <laughs> a diamond for the wife and the video games for the kids. They came by on Christmas, you know what I mean? Like, And they also, uh, Grant was, was one of the cops who got on that flight to... Las Vegas, they had a nice weekend. The hookers. Yeah, yeah, Gabby Greco, the very lovely Gabby Greco. We'd love to have her on the show. She, uh, you know, was She's still under indictment? The flight attendant. Well, I don't think she's indicted. I think she got immunity. I think she was just, I think think she was just. She also may have a no no talk clause. Maybe, maybe. I I, I asked her uh, via Twitter if she was still tight with James Grant. And uh, she said something nonsensical back, like, uh, like, oh, good idea. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. She's she's a silly person. Uh, she she put something up. She, she like a lot of nudity on her Twitter, by the way. If you want to follow her at G- uh, Gabby Greco, she likes to. Uh, she was getting into a uh, uh, one of these. Uh, what are those old things called? The women used to wrap themselves up in uh, to make them skinnier, kind of. You know. Oh, a, yeah, uh, I've heard of these. Yeah. Corset. She was getting into a corset that it looked impossible for Christ's sake. The thing was so small. Well, he's the second police officer to shoot himself after getting. Uh, Called in on the federal probe, this guy, Salzone. He was Grant's integrity control officer. <laughs> so integrity control certainly broke down. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess he probably had some information that uh, Grant didn't want to get out. You know, I've been a criminal defense attorney for 10 years, 10 mm-hmm. plus years now. And um, they still Did come I miss up- your 10-year anniversary? It's okay. No. And they, they st- I actually don't really remember when it was. But um, they still come up with new levels of promotion in the NYPD. Uh-huh. I've never heard of an integrity control officer. Yeah, it's a... Uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, wouldn't that just be called internal affairs? I, th- that I don't know. I think they're always yeah. adding a layer... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's of, just... A bureaucracy uh, everywhere, right? Especially in New York City. <laughs> I mean, 
I discussed uh, on, the, on the last episode of the Gavin McInnes how many uh, friggin' aides uh, or assistants that, uh, what's his name has, uh, de Blasio, you know, yeah. I mean, like so many, 18.7 million uh, as opposed to like 13 million for the prior, uh, you know, the billionaire who didn't even take a salary. We were really getting a bargain on Bloomberg. I'll tell you what, he would put he would put money into the damn thing. Yeah, I miss that guy. He was Grant's integrity control officer. Would you vote for him if he ran for president? Absolutely, I would. I think I think there I think there's a lot of Republicans who wish he'd still enter the race. Well, he's short, you know what I mean, and that's a big problem. Yep, he's probably taller than Hillary. Maybe I don't know. Uh, now the the Force Investigations Division is looking into the possibility. Have you ever heard about them? Yeah, I mean Force Investigations <laughs> versus integrity control. It feels like the. Uh, Worst NYPD basketball game ever. <laughs> they're looking for the possibility that Salzo never intended to kill himself. Uh, they're 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 checking that out, and and, and that uh, he was instead trying work, to guys. trying to appear emotionally unstable so as to sabotage his credibility as a witness. Well done. And the feds <laughs> had stopped by his uh, Staten Island apartment. Uh, oh, a cop who lives in Staten Island—that's weird. And sometime in the uh, past two weeks, and and his uh, his union lawyers were. Arranging for him to speak further with the feds. What do you think here? I want to describe the way that he shot himself. Here it was with his girlfriend. Uh, he got his girlfriend to help him. He's stripped of his, uh, you know, gun and badge, which I guess they'll do if you shoot yourself in the stomach. Uh, they, of course, the union, you know, ha- has a very strong opinion about this. Actually, NYPD inspector. Uh, uh, oh, okay, okay. So it, the the guy who shot himself was the NYPD inspector, Michael and Mary, by the way. Okay. That was back in May. So uh, the, here, here's a statement. Uh, the department failed this lieutenant <laughs> by, A, not getting him uh, evaluated to see if he was at risk, and, B, failing to change the duty status so that he not have a weapon. That's, I, a, that's a really good uh, end around. Uh, that's some spin there. Yeah. Well, his take on it, he says, how many members of, of the service were visited by federal or, or other internal affairs investigators and not evaluated for their stability? And he says, how many more are going to be uh, are going to hurt themselves? <laughs> so he's blaming the probe, uh, the suicides on the probe. On not doing enough to protect the mental health of the people who were corrupt cops in New York City. Well, that we're being arrested. Yeah, he, do you really want to do that, police union? So <laughs> next time you arrest a drug dealer, you're going to hear from me that you didn't do a suicide check on him. Well, uh, I know what the suicide check is. It's ten questions. Uh huh. What, what do you want to kill yourself? It's like, do you live in this area? Do you have any family? Do you have a noose? You ever killed yourself before? <laughs> like, I mean, it's like it's this. Yeah, I mean, it's it's ridiculous. That is, that is amazing. I mean, the police union. I one day want to write a book called Stupid Things Said by the NYPD Police Union, but that's got to be towards the top. Oh, my bad. I gave that to the union. It just says a high-ranking police source. Oh. But uh, who knows? Uh, Grant's lawyer agreed, though. Damn, because I really wanted to blame that on the union. He said there should be an investigation (laughs) for your book. There should be an investigation to what is uh, being said that is making such tragic and uncharacteristic actions by these deceased officers. Again, blaming the probe. Uh, it's it's so uh, that that that's a it is a weird tack for cops to take. Oh, well, that's a lawyer speaking. They're trying to like play a, a victim narrative here, obviously. Well, yeah, but I mean, like that's just I mean that's it's just sort of uh, yeah. I mean, it's 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 just it's, it's they're so bad at promoting the whole like you know cops is getting special treatment. Yeah, 
I, you know, <laughs> it's it's just it's not the really the best thing they could do here. Well, oh, the only thing we have here on how it happened is shooting himself twice in the stomach while at his girlfriend's uh, Oakland Gardens apartment in Queens. Now I will say. An Oakland Garden apartment in Queens is an excellent place to shoot yourself. Yeah. I think it is. Not that I've ever been in one. Uh, I, I don't even know where Oakland Garden is. It's it sounds like, nice. It's like, I think it's like South Jamaica. Whoa. Okay. Let's just say. Let's just see where that is. I mean, I hear about it from time to time. Oh, yeah. If you're, if you're representing people from there, then it is definitely out uh, someplace <laughs> where the criminality occurs. It's not in our neighborhoods. Let's see where that is. It's uh, Oakland Gardens. Oh, it's Queens. near Bayside. Okay. No? Oh, wait. No, it isn't. It, no. Well, it, it's... I'm, I'm hitting the map. It is near Bayside. Well, actually, Bayside's pretty nice. Bayside's nice. Yeah, Bayside. And oh, it's so Bell Boulevard. Yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, I mean, Douglaston area. That's decent. It was in that uh, in the Wikipedia for as a na- I guess a neighborhood within uh, Bayside. Let's just see what they say about it. Uh, let's see if it's a nice place, Oakland Garden. Okay, really, Valentino's home. Oh, there it is. Just click on that. There we go. There you go. It says it's a middle class neighborhood in the southern part of Bayside, bounded by the north by Long Island Expressway. And it's south by Union Turnpike. Anybody live in Oakland Gardens? Uh, the that's actually really near me. Is it really? Yeah. Now that's... you live in a in a in a, a mansion. I mean, it's a. Well, I mean, it's a certain... it's a two bedroom condo. But I mean, for New York City standards, I suppose that's a uh... median income uh, in in Oakland Gardens is fifty four grand, which is, uh, I mean, uh, not incredibly high, but not low. Uh, median income fifty four grand because uh, when you look at it in Manhattan. It's uh, it's only like I think in the neighborhood I live in. I think median income is from, it's in the eighties. You know, so median that's not income a, is not the best analysis of a neighborhood's class or quality, though, because it's it's usually it's usually drilled down by only a couple of places. What do you mean drilled down? Well, I mean like you know Manhattan's. I'll bet you most people in Manhattan make even more than the median income, but the but the but there are several project housings where you have to make under a certain amount that drags the entire the entire standard down, even though you know it's not it's not the most representative. It's been a problem for years. Oh oh, oh okay. So what you're saying is like uh, they they bring the overall average down because it's an artificially set thing where you have people yes. low income people living in a nice neighborhood. Uh, and that does happen. Uh, there's a there's the Chelsea projects. Yes. Where you can get off a little bit cheap over there. Uh, and uh, that's certainly, uh, I, you know, you get on the list there. Somebody's like eight years to get in, and you, but you, and you go, well, I'm not going to do that. And then like, you, but yeah, you go, what the hell? You get on the list. Next thing you know, eight years goes by pretty fast, and then you get yourself a nice apartment uh, for very, very, very cheap. Is there anything that you can do if you go to a hotel and they have bed bugs and they won't refund your money? I mean, you could sue them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you could you could certainly sue them. I mean, it would you probably... can't call the police. I mean, you're being infested. with I mean, you could call right? uh, you could call whatever the uh, local equivalent of three one one is and say that you know you've got bed bugs and a city inspector could come in. Yeah, well, I mean, I would make a big stink about something like that. Hotels... If I ever had a bed bug bite from a hotel, I'd probably burn the place to the ground. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's infuriating because right? bed bugs are. I mean, bed bugs are the the equivalent of you know something from a Stephen King novel. You can't get rid of them. Yeah, <laughs> people do even crazy shit like, oh, we got a dog that should do it. Well, they have a dog that can exactly, yeah. That comes in with a uh, uh, like a company, you know, like we yeah, that's the bed bug sniffing dog. You know, I it's I, I I um I lived in an apartment where a um, roommate of mine actually had bed bugs, 
And um, so I looked into what you could do. And, like, you call five different exterminators. They all have some almost laughable, like, sounding way of getting rid of them. Yeah. I mean, almost like supervillain, you know. And, like, we're going to use a laser, you know. <laughs> and it's just, I mean, it's <laughs> one had a dog that was going to sniff them out individually, and then they would kill them that way. Another one was going to, like, freeze all of your, um, was going to freeze absolutely all of your... Uh, your bedding and your sheets and everything like that, that should do it. As I said, another one said they used, like, sonar detection to find... I mean, it was ridiculous. And I'm sitting here, I was like, none of... You guys have no idea how to get rid of these fucking things, do you? Like, you're just you're just literally making this up as you go along. And, uh, I mean, it's... It's it's really absurd. I yeah. mean, it's just... it's Utterly. Utterly. Uh, I mean, like, who knows? I mean, you, you would hope that... <laughs> There must be some way of getting rid of these damn things, but yeah, they, they're they're a I mean, tough they, little they walk insect. in with a dog, and I'm like, I want poison. Like, yeah. <laughs> what is Fido here gonna do with this? They gotta use poison, surely. I think you fog them out. I mean, like I I've, I know people who've successfully gotten rid of them, but they they have that kind of it's like it's like I just, genital warts. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> just, I got I got rid of my bed and moved. Yeah, that's. I mean, when my roommate got them, that's the only thing I, I, I never, I never got a bite. I don't think they ever. Uh, I, I did a similar thing. I, yeah. I got rid of my my bed and I got married. <laughs> <laughs> that did a lot of decision making for me. It was a national menace of idiots dressing like clowns. We're back to clowns again. Oh They're boy, scary man. people just trying to survive. I found this story. Uh, now it says a clown. A guy in clown makeup was riding uh, the sixth train <laughs> on the Upper East Side. A person in a clown costume holding a, a kitchen knife chased a teen off a sixth train Wednesday amid an increase in creepy clown sightings. The 16-year-old boy from New Jersey was riding a northbound sixth train, and he was at the 96th Street station when a suspect wearing multicolored clothes, <laughs> clown makeup... <laughs> what the guy look like? <laughs> well... <laughs> He was one of those colorful ones, not one of those black and white ones. That's only, I mean, not the French type. Yeah. And big feet. The frightened teen ran off the train. And so what he did was he was wearing uh, multicolored clothes, clown makeup, stood in the train's doorway with a knife, pretending, pre- preventing people from getting off around 1.55 p.m. That would do it for me. I, I tell you, I, 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 I take it seriously enough if somebody's holding a knife. Even without the knife, I might go, yeah, I'll just wait to the next stop. You know what I mean? He's going to move eventually. Although I don't know. Was he preventing like anybody? My desire to get off the subway <laughs> versus my fear of being stabbed. This is a real balancing act it for me. It depends <laughs> on, yeah, exactly. It depends how. on how long you've been. Is it an air-conditioned car? How crowded is it? Yeah. Where are you coming from, going to? Are, I mean, there's there's a Smell lot of factors in this. Yeah, yeah. Is there one of those people. homeless guys who stunk up the whole car? Yeah, is there a dance troupe on the car? Yeah, there's, there's a, it's like, yeah, yeah, do I have to listen to Showtime one more time, or am I going to just muscle my way through Twisty over there? One of those uh, Mexican bands with the guitars, what do they call those things? The mariachis. Mariachi bands. The mariachis, yes. Yeah, there's a, I I like it when they get on. It suddenly it suddenly becomes a fiesta. As soon as they get on, what like, is your favorite of all the annoying street performers? Well, okay, if I had to really say one, uh, then uh, I guess the Denudas would be my favorites. I mean, you know, because they're topless and they, you know, you I never to, see them. You got to go to Times Square. They're there. They're even herded into little areas. Oh now. no, no. I'm, yeah, I mean, I get those. I mean, I'm talking to the subway, the workaday ones, the ones you ride in the subway down. Oh, okay, the busking type people. Yeah. I'll tell you, the ones I hate the most are the are the obviously you go all the way down to. I'm going to consider uh, people who come on and give a speech about how poor they yeah, are. Yeah, that's the most annoying. Yeah. That's because yeah. you're not even doing anything. And and they yeah sometimes they get really passive aggressive too. Like, oh, I know, hate that. Yeah, and, and don't and, stare at me. Yeah. If I didn't give you money at the speech point, I'm not going to do it now that you're standing in front of me. certainly have uh, a voice. One guy had a voice. It just cut the air. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it really was 
all you could pay attention to. Uh, and dance troupe is like right above that. If I'm See, ranking them up the from the most annoying up, uh, dance troupe would be second after. Buyers. I went 180 on dance troupe. The first time I saw a dance troupe on the New York City subway, I thought, "Geez, that is really impressive. Those guys are like." jumping and doing flips and they're upside down but then i realized they all do it it's the same routine the music's annoying and they do it at the worst time so i've gone from dance troupe being one of my tops to now dance troupe is now easily one of my least favorite. exactly me too and 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 you see too a lot of the things they do not that impressive you're putting a shoe on your head right you yeah see the like, guy with the shoes yeah i mean that's well, the thing is like at least when the first one i saw they like flipped and slapped the, i mean that was something to that this was yeah, yeah it's um it, it's 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 really become diluted yeah my, wow. my favorite is the doo-wop guys Oh yeah, you know what? I didn't even think of those guys. Those guys are great. You're talking about the ones that say, and, and they, they just come it. through the cars, singing the whole way. Two guys. A hat. One of them's got not a lot of teeth, right? Yeah, every now and then you can get. Every now and then they bring a, a, a baritone and a tenor in there too. Sometimes it's four, but it's usually two. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the one with not a lot of teeth, but they could actually sing. And uh, the guy sings uh, "Under the Boardwalk." That's one of the yeah, yeah. And they sing like a, a real pepped up version of that because you got to get through it. Of the consistent ones, I think the doo wop guys are my favorites. Well, with the mariachis following close behind. Clown with a knife, uh, one of the least popular. Yeah, that's. Uh... <laughs> he was a 16 year old boy from New Jersey, and he, I guess, he ran off the train. Uh, past the turnstiles of the station, looking back to see the clown standing on the other side, still holding the knife. Please Boy, if that's true, that is actually frightening. It is, and uh, I, it <laughs> does sound a little suspect, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, I, I don't believe it, but it... <laughs> it sounds very suspect. Because, like, okay, the, 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 he, was, he was keeping people from getting off the train, standing in the doorway. But the kid ran past him. Was he on... Was, what I'd like to know is, was he on the platform? Yeah. The, the the clown. But then they say, isn't there something in there like you stand at the window or something he saw? This is, okay, here's, here's exactly the way it reads. A 16-year-old boy from New Jersey was riding northbound 6th train, 96th Street Station, when a suspect wearing a multicolored clothes and clown makeup stood... A clown. We'll just say a clown. I didn't have to describe it that much. Yeah, we know what a <laughs> uh, In the train's doorway with a knife preventing people from getting off uh, around 1.55 p.m., the frightened teen ran off the train, so I guess he wasn't prevented from getting off. Uh, I guess uh, he didn't cover the other door, and uh, but uh, that, that's interesting. P- preventing yeah. people from getting off, but he ran off the train past the turnstiles of the station, uh, looking back to see the clown standing on the other side, I guess, of the turnstiles, but he's, uh, it doesn't say how near, still holding the knife. Police are looking for the no, suspect. Nobody else noticed this. Nobody else has reported this. They plan to charge this person with menacing, it says, if they find that's him. a good charge. If they f- <laughs> Clowning. <laughs> Illegal clowning. Inappropriate clowning. Sources say the police are looking for are looking to see whether the incident is connected to another clown sighting on Monday when a 16-year-old boy looked out his window and spotted a person dressed as a clown <laughs> with a knife lurking outside. Again, this seems uncorroborated. It says days before, a person with a knife and a clown mask menaced a boy on a six train. A 16-year-old boy looked out his window, spotted a person dressed as a clown lurking outside. The clown then suddenly looked up and waved a knife at him. Terrifying incident happened near 19th Road and 78th Street. We really just have two 16-year-old boys spinning yarns. It could very well be. I don't understand how this uh, gets reported. I guess if you take it to the cops, it becomes a story. They're obviously going to cover it because they love that shit. Well, because it's ridiculous. Clickbait. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. And it's... so all that all that you have to do to do something like this, perpetuate a hoax like this, is just call the police and tell them it happened, 
and they were they're not going to like prosecute you for falsely reporting a clown. Well, I also want to. I want to. Right? Would well, they? they should. They should, but could, yeah, how, could, I mean, how could they know? It'd well, be very I mean, hard would, to prove that. I've that certainly didn't seen plenty of security cameras on a um, subway platform, and most of them don't show anything useful. But a clown would be pretty easy to ID. I, uh, yeah, a clown <laughs> with a knife, a weapon. I mean, but even a clown in general. Once, once the kid said on this date and time, a clown chased me off the subway. You looked at the security camera, you saw a clown. You're like, all right, there's something to this. Maybe, you know, maybe they do have that footage. They might. Hence the way they took the report. In which case, yeah, we would have to eat crow. I, I would be interested to see the how you're going to ID the suspect if you find him. I mean, it's pretty obvious. He's the one with the makeup on. Right? But if he takes Pick that off. lineup. Yeah, I mean, that's what I mean. Is he gonna, that would, oh, my God, that would be really funny if you've got they, five cops putting him all dressed up as clowns. Like, are you kidding me, really? <laughs> Somebody's got to make a run to Halloween City to fucking <laughs> do the lineup. All right, cover them from the neck down, but uh, which clown menaced you? Oh, they get him suits and everything. <laughs> Sources said they're looking into the incident, whether it's connected to that uh, that other clowning. So what is the presumed, uh, like, uh, if a clown is, is out with a knife? Right, he's out with a knife. Mm-hmm. You don't really need the knife to creep people out. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, clowns yeah. are de facto. Even even the nice clowns are kind of de facto creepy. They are de facto creepy because the nice ones seem like pedophiles. Yeah, I and mean, the mean ones seem like killers. What but, do you do when a clown's actually a woman? Well, that I find the least offensive. A woman clown is a certain type of person. It Definitely is. likes to fuck. I think. Oh, a female clown is is a fuck monster. <laughs> you know, because yeah, there's, woman... there's a series of lifestyle choices that <laughs> led you down that path. Yeah, exactly. It's like women who do the Renaissance fair. <laughs> I mean, you know? And they have they're like, Oh, I'm the I'm the winch, I'm the beer winch or something, you know. God, that... what is the worst thing I've ever been to is probably the Renaissance fair. Why? I mean that 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 rivals dentist. Oh, you gotta be joking! I hated it so much. Oh, I think it's the best. Oh, it's we differ. I mean, you don't spend long there, I, or at all. Why? What do you hate about it? I just it was it's like Comic Con. I just don't like being around that many freaks. Oh. For a guy who spends his days in holding pens among criminals, like oh, okay, I see what you mean. Yeah, I just it's 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 I'm not I'm not always the kindest and most understanding of I, people. I disagree. I I think it's I think it's whimsical and uh, and yeah. and fun now. Uh, let's keep in mind, I haven't been to one of those since I was about 15. Uh, but uh, I do remember having a, a nice time. There's a lot of cleavage there. And if you, I, and I tell you, if you want to meet women who uh, will just let you stick it right in their ass, I mean, no problem. Two of them at once. None at all. Or none at all. You could... <laughs> Well, we're not trying my, to be my saddest Renaissance, point. I guess, experience actually came, and they have Renaissance era sort of standards as far as crime came goes un- too. So undecidingly recently, actually. Um, recently, I was uh, I had to do an asylum interview, and the asylum office for the New York City area is in Lyndhurst, New Jersey. Okay. And there's almost nothing in Lyndhurst, New Jersey. Almost nothing. Yeah, there's a hotel, there's the asylum office, and then there is a medieval times restaurant. <laughs> I've never been to med- med- medieval well, times. Well, and um, so anyways, I had my hearing. I'm starving. I need to get back, but I know the traffic's going to be terrible. Mm-hmm. So I went over to the hotel hoping that they had some kind of restaurant at all. You know those terrible hotel restaurants. That, oh, man. Yeah. It's like, yeah, just you can't even stand mm-hmm. it. They, they, they do so much little turnover, so little turnover on the food yeah. that it's never going to be fresh. The rolls are hard. And, and you, you can't yeah. trust anything. Half the menu is not available. Right. And, and it's so expensive. I yeah, went to the hotel them. first, and they were like, I looked at their restaurant. I'm like, yeah, this is unacceptable. Yeah. It, it, it's the loneliest place in the world. Right. It's just depressing, especially if you're not even staying at the hotel. And um, 
So the only choice to get something to eat in this 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 godforsaken nowhere part of New Jersey was the medieval times. <laughs> so I went over there. That's the only place. Not a McDonald's. There might have been if you knew the area better. Right. But the area where I'm in, knowing how I can get back to the highway, this is the only thing I see. So I went over. I'm okay. like, I've never been to one of these. Well, I've discovered that the Wednesday afternoon shift at the medieval times is really, it's, I mean, it's, it's a Monday morning strip club visit. You know, it is, uh, it is, uh, it was a depressing, depressing place. So you're saying you don't get the best of the best of the jousters. Well, I mean, like, you know, there's me and there's, it's a giant, like, arena almost thing. And there's probably 12 other people. There, so it's already feeling awkward. Oh, yeah. You followed up um, with the fact that they don't really have their A-team out. So, yeah, as you said, the best of the best of the jousters. I mean, the Howers looked like it was going to collapse under the weight of the guy that was doing the tricks riding it. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty sad. I mean, <laughs> Physical fitness that doesn't really always like hit me as like a requirement. I was just right. stunned how he got the armor on. <laughs> I mean, that had to be special made. Uh, it's uh, it's dangerous though, I bet, right? I mean, jousting. I, I, I sport it looks really it's, dangerous. It's battle, I guess. It's designed to be. I mean, you're, you're riding a horse really fast at somebody with a giant pole trying to jab it into their gut. I can't imagine it's the safest thing. And if you see uh, a jouster with his uh, jousting equipment on the subway menacing you, make sure to report that, too, along with the clowns. Before we wrap up this episode with our old friend, defense attorney Jim Poke, I want to take a few minutes to talk about one of the very best things about New York City. Stand-up comedy. I had an opportunity not long ago to sit down with a guy who's forgotten more about stand-up comedy than most of us will ever know, Al Martin. He's the owner and proprietor of Broadway Comedy Club, as well as the owner of Greenwich Village Comedy Club. Uh, probably my two favorite places to perform here in a town with over a dozen full-time comedy clubs. Now, I wanted to play a few minutes of our conversation. We talked the other night at Broadway. Uh, I was about to uh, perform there, and, uh, and I'm there every time I get a chance. But New York City, uh, being the absolute undisputed capital of stand-up comedy, I thought, what the hell? Here's a little of our talk. So we talked about comedy, the club business, uh, some of the history. We just kind of shot the breeze. Al's got a thousand stories, and unlike most people with more than five good stories, Al's are all true. As far as I can tell. In New York, there's a... How many rooms are there? 13? First of all, there are too many comedy clubs in this city. Let me definitively say that, okay? (laughs) Way too many. (laughs) You know, in the boom uh, years, uh, or in the beginning years, all you had to do was open your door. Uh I mean, uh, you had the comic strip, you had Catch, you had the improv, you had Dangerfields. And then Caroline's came around in the mid-80s, the strip in 82. And maybe, you know, stand-up New York in the late 80s and New York in 89 or 90. So, you know, you maybe had seven comedy clubs, tops, Mm -hmm. going into the early 90s. Then the improv and catch went out of business almost within a year of each other. Mm -hmm. And then... All of a sudden, everybody thought it was a great business to get into. You have like 14 full-time comedy clubs, and the population hasn't changed. It's yeah. still 8 million people. Yeah. And on top of that, we're in a digital age now where a lot of kids, they don't even go out. You know, they, They're happy spending the 
the night in their parents' basement ordering pizza and Netflix. It doesn't sound that bad. Yeah. <laughs> but get out, for Christ's sake. You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing like the look on people's faces when they're out enjoying themselves live. It's yeah, completely different. They don't, they don't, entertainment. They've never done it. So all of a sudden, what do you mean there are things happening outside of my basement? <laughs> yeah. It's YouTube doesn't help either. That's another thing is that, like, these YouTube sensations now, they get big. And then they'll take those guys and put them into comedy clubs, theaters, and everything else. And, then, and they'll uh, draw six people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or if they do draw, then, you know, then they, they don't have an act. It doesn't yeah. always monetize well. So um, you, uh, did, now you started out as a comedian. Correct. And, and what year was that? That was in 80, uh, 1989 as a comedian. And what happened was I couldn't get stage time anywhere. So I said, let me open up my own room, you know, one or two nights a week. I'll get, I'll get up and I'll go to Grand Central Station. I'll bark, which is what I did. I stood outside Grand Central Station. Comedy tonight, comedy tonight. And um, I would fill the room and then get on stage. And in the early days, uh, uh, that's how I got my stage time. But then it became such a, we added a Thursday night uh Chris Mazzilli, who now owns Gotham Comedy Club, worked for me at the time. And we did college night, yeah. college comedy night back then. And Wednesday nights, Jim Mandrinos did New Material Wednesdays. This is like in 91. And um, I think the last time he wrote New Material, by the way. <laughs> well, I didn't say that. <laughs> he can take it. Yeah. But, um, you, know, you know, we had improv jams on Sunday. We had the longest open mic on Mondays. We started at 4.30. And would end at about 10 o'clock at night. We'd wow. have 60, 70 comics going up. Jesus. That, that was back when there was too many comics, which there are now again. I there guess. weren't enough rooms back then. There Not was only six, six comedy rooms. Now, you're, you know, now you go out and do a bar show, you know, and, mm. which I never understood the whole concept. You know, we had bar shows back when I started, but they were like, uh, there were hell rooms at the time. You'd stand on stage, and there was one about a block away called Ye Old Triple N. And all... All comics that worked in the 80s and 90s knew this room. It was on 54th and 8th, literally around the corner. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the middle of your... It, it would start at 12 midnight. The mic would start at 12 midnight, Fridays and Saturdays. Wow. And a lot of the people that are stars today would do that room at midnight. Because doing a tough room can really that help was you build your chops. toughest room. They'd, you'd be on stage and someone would be playing darts in front of you. And occasionally they'd miss and hit you. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, it's funny. I, I thought all those rooms were out in uh, the sticks, you know, like uh, Palaka, Florida, and all that kind of stuff. I've done some horrible rooms out there. And uh, Comedy Zone, I got to say... They're, uh, I'm not, not, not to crap on the company. I don't know if you're familiar with them. That's where I, I did a lot of my early work. Right. What they do is take hotels. They put a thing in the showroom. Right, right. They string them all together. Right. And then they, and take, a a they take a commission from the comedians. Right. They take a commission from the booker. Right. They double the place. Yeah. They, <laughs> it's just, uh, you know, hey, you I guess. You wind up with, with toilet that. paper for the weekend. <laughs> yeah. You maybe pay for your gas yeah. and your hotel that you have on your night off. It's uh, Panama City on the weekend. But earlier you were in Ozark, Alabama, and it's a big route. But uh, at least I'm not driving here. But those bar shows you mentioned, they really haven't gotten any better. No. Except for, like, you know, every once in a while, one will take off. It'll get a little hot, and it right. gets a reputation. And, uh, you know, and, and then you can't get on it. Right. Well, there was a great comic in the New York circuit. I, you might or might not know him. Um, he's now one of, uh, 
he's uh, he's now a writer on one of the late night shows, uh, Mike Sweeney. Yeah, he might be writing for Conan. Is he writing for Conan? I, I'm not really sure, but I know the name Mike Sweeney. Mike Sweeney was one of the best comics in the New York market in the early 90s and uh, great con- he was a lawyer became a comedian like so many uh-huh. and um, his he would he would work the original New York Comedy Club which at the time was on 48th and 2nd and he never would tell anybody about the room and one day I said to him Mike why don't you tell some of the other guys around town about the room we'd get some other comics in here he goes what are you kidding and I'll fuck up my spots you yeah. know <laughs> which yeah. he was right yeah you gotta guard that stuff I'll tell you a funny story about the improv I remember you know Chris Murphy who's the MC here a lot on the weekends. Funny guy. He, 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 believe it or not, he was a manager one night a week or a couple of nights a week at the old improv, yeah. which might be why they went out of business, <laughs> you know. Uh, but um, he, one day he said to me, Al, why don't you audition for Silver at the improv? So I went down there and I got on the line. It was a huge line that snaked around the corner. I was in. I had an automatic callback. She was going to, you know, his recommendation, she was going to give me a callback. I didn't have to wait on this line. Mm -hmm. But, you know, being a comedian, I was a little hard-headed. I wanted to make it on my own, you know. Stupid me, right? (laughs) Give me the hard way. Yeah, give me the hard way. You know, three hours standing on that line, pouring rain. Get in there, do my three minutes, I screw up. Fast forward 13 years later to the opening of this club, when it was the improv, a comic walks over to me and goes, remember me? And I go, no, I'm sorry, I don't. He goes, you were standing next to me waiting to audition online at the improv about 12 or 13 years ago. We were standing online for three hours in the freezing rain, and you said, fuck this, one day I'm going to own this club. (laughs) Thirteen years later. Yes, man, I love it when stuff works out that yeah. way. Yeah, crazy story, right? That was Al Martin. We appreciate uh, Al taking the time to speak to us. That was pretty cool. If you live right here in New York City, uh, or if you're visiting from out of town, come and see uh, him and possibly me at Broadway Comedy Club. It's right there on the close side of Hell's Kitchen, 53rd and 8th Avenue. Or if you're in the Village, check out Greenwich Village Comedy Club. Both of them are great. But what if you live in Indiana and you're not coming to New York City? Well. I'll be in Indianapolis this month, just a few days, October 26th through 29th. That's uh, four nights, six shows. If you'd like to get tickets, go to patdixonnyc.com. The link is right there on the front page. October 26th through 29th, Crackers Comedy Club, downtown Indianapolis, in the Cougar State of Indiana. Thank you, Jim. And thank you for listening to New York City Crime Report.